Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey, Wingman, Todd Helms here with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. And this time I have my guest today is Mr. Jim Sobeer from Sitka. Uh, Jim, if I, re- if I remember correctly, you're the head honcho for Waterfowl over there, right? Yes, I'm the product line manager for the Waterfowl category. Very and cool. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Absolutely. We had the, Jim and I had the good fortune of sharing a, a goose blind last year together for a couple days. And man, we had a great shoot followed by another great shoot, but very, very, two very different, um, two very different hunts, both extreme and both rough conditions in their own way. But that's where you and I met the, and got to, got to do everything together. And, and, uh, man, I I don't know about you, but I know I had a great time on that hunt. Oh man. Yeah. And and you say when we first met, I think that's how you truly meet somebody is when you get a chance to share a blind or break bread or just spend a little bit of time with somebody. And yeah, what a fantastic, you, I think you undersold it. It was a, it was just a burner. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was, it was a great hunt. I mean, the, the, I, I, and I agree with you about how you, that's the coolest thing about, what we do in the, in waterfowl hunting. I, and I think waterfowl hunting, there's lots of it. I mean, you could talk about elk camps or deer camps or, you know, duck clubs or pheasant hunts or, but hunting in general brings people together in a way that nothing, very few things do. And, you know, to have, take a couple of guys that don't know each other, but share the, share a passion for waterfowl and then stick them in a goose blind together with a couple, with a handful of other folks. And then, yeah, it, it was a burner. That first day was like, I think we smacked, uh, I think it was, wouldn't we have a six man or a seven man that day? But it was a full limit. And it was, yeah. the, the birds cooperated, they decoyed well. There's lots and lots of birds. And yeah, was, but it was also, it was also not um, over so quickly you know the birds cooperated it was a late season hunt so we were getting small groups doing it right um and i would say not in a frenzy but in a steady fashion so that we were able to spend some time out there and really enjoy ourselves in minus 10 degrees (laughs) yeah and that was the part i was getting to it was brutal conditions that day i mean the standing the standing temp on the truck said the ambient temperature was like one degree and it was going back and forth between one and zero one and zero and we had probably 15 mile an hour wind i'd say i would say pretty solid yeah and it was i mean my i wear a pretty stout pretty good beard in the winter time and i was iced up my face was ice you had i got a picture of you with your <laughs> my eyelashes <laughs> It was cold. Oh man, it was brutal. And it was it was neat because it was like no very few other activities can you go into when it's that cold and everybody's having fun. Oh it was yeah. You know, no, except was... for the camera the camera people, the we had two cameramen on that hunt and they both frostbit their fingers. Their their oh. their camera fingers because it's hard to it's hard to operate the camera. Um, with a glove on, or with a heavy glove anyway, and they got they they got cold, man. That one guy, uh, Dan Picard, right next door to me here, his skin blistered and peeled after that. Oh my! Honestly. They were working hard. They did, man. They were they were running around, getting shots and making sure we were putting it all together right. You guys, you guys do it. You guys do it well. Oh, thank you, thank you. We we try hard, and a lot of it is having. You know, having fun while you're at it, and that yep. was, that was a day that we had fun, and I think that comes across in that video. That video is yeah. out there on on the Wingman YouTube channel and on the website. It'll be a look in the description here in the podcast. There'll be a link to that 
you can check out that hunt and see exactly what Jim and I are talking about. But man, we got to play with some, we get, we get to play with some cool gear in our partnership with Sitka and we get to see what you design and then we get to go put it through its paces on hunts like that. And then the one, the next day we did a river hunt, which is, it was, the conditions were just as brutal, but it was completely different. And yeah, it was it was a little more mild that day, but it was actually almost pleasant. May have been ten degrees or twelve degrees, <laughs> but it, with the sun out, it was actually reasonably comfortable. Balmy. It was balmy. Yeah. yeah, I think at one point I, you know, I didn't have a a gate a neck gaiter over my face or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had some exposed skin. It was pretty neat. Yeah, <laughs> pretty neat. Yeah, I do remember that morning we, the river was pushing slush to the point where yeah. we were having a hard time keeping decoys in place. And the using the dogs was like, if we could get it ourselves, we did. Because having a dog, you know, you going out and wading through that in waders, you're anchored to the ground. That dog's trying to swim through basically a 7-Eleven Slurpee. And that's really, really tough on the dogs. So we, we didn't, the dogs didn't get a lot of work that day. They got a little, but, but, um, we got to put, we got to put waiters to their paces. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good time. It yeah. was a good time and, and a total, you know, a stark contrast from a field hunt, hunting big hunkers on, on the river late season. It was, it was good with a, with a, you know, really a natural blind, if you will, on the, on the bank yeah yeah that blind is something that we put together um after a bunch of scouting and stuff we put that together earlier in the season based upon where the birds like to loaf and we killed a lot of birds out of that blind this year but it is it's just brush uh stacked up with shooting ports in it and ready to go but i guess one of the questions that i i meant to ask when we first started this jim and we didn't have a chance to was how did how did you end up doing what you're doing with Sitka? I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a dream job, man. You're you're, <laughs> like really, you're a man behind uh, the curtain up there designing all this cool stuff and make bringing all this cool stuff to to the to the marketplace for us hunters. But how did you get there? How did that start for you? Gosh, uh, so I've been at Sitka now. For six years, I came here. I've been at W.L. Gorn Associates coming up on 25 years. Wow. And so um, I have, you know, worked in various roles and capacities throughout my career at Gore. And, you know, I made this leap. I was at, at the time when I was looking at this role, I, I made this leap. Because I genuinely, I, I, I like product. I, I like, um, you know, doing things and, and creating um, products and, and, and understanding these unmet needs and, and just taking on challenges of, of those kinds of things. But really, the, the thing that, that kind of drove me to do this was around, I, I, I just love the, I love hunting altogether. Waterfowl hunting has always has been my my first and and certainly my my passion in in the hunting space. But to to work with Gore in Sitka to create just best in class products and and change the way waterfowl hunters experience the most challenging conditions during the 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 harshest times of year and be comfortable outside, you know, that, that's just, that, that's what it's all about for me. And, you know, we, we, we get to create different laminates, you know, with different uh, Gore-Tex laminate packages. We get to utilize the best insulations and best materials and best designers and best factories. And, you know, it's just, that's, that's, how it goes and that's that's what kind of brought me here um different business roles my my education my background 
I have a bachelor's in occupational safety and health. I don't know that anybody <laughs> knew that or would, would guess that, you know, you tell your, you tell your kids, you go to school and you get an education and you're going to use it in some, you know, form. And, and my career started out in that field. And then I moved over to environmental. I had a master's in environmental later in life. And, and I was, and I was running a business unit in that, in that capacity. Um, when I made the leap to Sitka gear. So it was, it's, uh, it's been really good and, and certainly a, a great opportunity. Uh, Sitka has grown, gosh, the, the growth has been crazy, um, since I got here and, and the waterfowl category was in its infancy, uh, when I started. So here I am. You're, it's always interesting to me to find out, you know, to hear the stories like that and see where people started, how they, how they kind of progressed through and, and you, I bet if you sat, if you sat 10 people down in a room and you asked them about, are you doing, you know, where you're at today? Did you see yourself here, you know, 25, 30 years ago? I would bet a lot of people would say no, you know, and they were, they were open to change. They were open to lateral movement. They were open to, you Absolutely. know, just being, just going, going with the flow and kind of, you know, following a passion, just a passion, but following a path, following, mm-hmm. seeing opportunities within your passion and being yeah. able to capitalize upon those is, it's key. And so it's always fun for me to hear stories like yours about that. And you're, you're crushing it, man. I mean, you're, uh, you're I, I can't it. take, yeah, I can't take credit for that. I, I'm a part of the best product development team in the world. I mean, it, you know, I don't say that lightly and I'm not a bragger. I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to work with the, you know, some of the greatest minds in the space, uh, have the best resources, you know, it's, it's, it's the culmination of a lot of great things coming together and the ability to think outside the box and create new and great products. And that, that, that has come together and continues to be, um, the shining star for us. Well, humble dude. That's really magnanimous. And I, I, I can appreciate the team sentiment for sure, but you guys are doing a great job up there and we are, we are super, super excited to be partnered with you and man, fall can't get here fast enough. And I'm looking forward to getting them in blind with you again this year. Absolutely. Doing some fun I'll, stuff. I'll bring that little 20 gauge that could. Heck Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So much fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. We've had a great time. You know, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the gear. We had, we had phenomenal hunts and I know you get to, Jim, I know you get to run around a little bit. They let you out of that office once in a while and you get to go play and you are kind of the, you know, the, the man behind the curtain up there, if, if you will, pumping out awesome waterfall gear that so many of us just absolutely love. What do you got? I saw some of the stuff you came out with this year. Um, you just you just did your product release, right? For 2020? We did, yes. Yes, we're going to talk about a lot of the new stuff that's dropping now. It's available. Um, consumers are getting excited. You know, we've got interesting times ahead. Hard to tell what fall's going to hold. But people are excited about hunting, and, and I know I'm I'm excited to get out. My schedule may shift this year compared to what I had planned, but I'm, you know, I'm going to get out as many days as I can find time for to continue to test new gear. Yeah. So when you're, when you say test new gear, I mean, you've just released 2020 and we actually, I've actually got two of the new products that just shipped. They are literally right here behind me in my office. I've got that new gradient bib and I've got the waiter bot, the waiter bag. Uh, sitting here fantastic i am stoked to put through their paces that's one thing i the waiter waiters are one of those things man it's like you throw them you spend good money on them you want them to last and one of the great things about what you guys do is your waiter the waiters are 100 serviceable and if you do have a problem which i mean i don't really have problems with mine but if you do send them back and you guys fix them yeah and and that's a, I mean, 
we're we're fortunate, you know, to have the capability and and have developed a product that can be serviced. And and realistically, it's it's really not a matter of if, but when. You know, right. we hunt in harsh conditions. There's barbed wire fences. There's all these things. And at the end of the day, people will have an issue. And that has been the Achilles heel of the uh, waders forever for, for waterfowl hunters. And you either have to try and fix them yourselves, which we still encourage with the field repair kit, uh, or you, you end up discarding and, and buying a new pair and throwing them into the landfill. Well, no. you, and you do that three or four times and guess what? It's a pretty heavy yeah. price tag right there. Yeah, and and even more more so than just the price tag cuz cuz it is a significant investment whether you're buying, you know, multiple pairs of waders or or one pair that you can service. The it's also about gear and how we think about gear. You know, no I don't know anybody that would throw away their bow if they if they wore out the string or get rid of their shotgun cuz they lost a bolt handle or you know, it's, it's, these are things that you expect to do or throw away your truck when the tires wore out. Right. right. So, you, you know, it's, 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 it's just a different way to look at things. You, you know, we, we want things to be long lasting. We want comfort. We want, you know, the protection. And at the end of the day, we want those things to last. So, you know, it's, it's not feasible to throw things away that I think, uh, should be providing more service. Oh man, I I could not agree more with that statement. And I was I, I I knew you would talk to that, and I'm glad you did because that's one of the things. You know, you talk about going back to barbed wire. As soon as you said barbed wire, and maybe it was the morning. I don't think it was. In fact, no, it wasn't. It was a different morning. But I snagged my I snagged my Delta Zip waders last year on on a fence. In the dark, going in yep. in the morning, was in a hurry and caught them just a little bit and tore, not bad, but tore them enough where I needed to do repair. And I was, and I've been dealing between fishing, guiding, and hunting ducks my whole life. I've been patching waders, it seems. You sure. Know? It's like I knew what I was doing, got them home, got them dry, cleaned them up, patched them, and they worked great the whole rest of the season. But it was like, okay, time to send them back and get these things serviced at the end of the season. Like you said, time to change the oil in the pickup, right? Yeah. Get a new pair of treads for it. Same type deal. What I was impressed with is I sent those waders in and literally I had, a, they, they were back in like, I think it was like two weeks, maybe three. It was a fast turnaround. And especially in the days of COVID-19, where everything yeah. was slow. Man, I was super impressed, Jim. And I, I think that speaks volumes about the ethic that you guys have placed on gear up there yeah. in Bozeman. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is, I would say that your experience is pretty typical in terms of return time. And, you know, I think also certainly there's been a, a little bit of a challenge at the end of the season, people turning their sending their gear in on top of a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> no so, so, so I, you know, I think that there was probably a lag uh, for some time. But all things considered, even in during peak season, the turnaround time was very reasonable, and um, hopefully, the communication and all of the things went smooth. You know, we're working really hard to make sure this process is as seamless and, and um, a great experience uh, to, for folks to deal with. Well, it has been on, it has been on my end. And that's one of the things that I was, even before our partnership with wingmen and, and Sitka, I was a Sitka guy from before all of that, simply because of what you're saying. Um, just the, the treatment of the customer, and the quality of the products and the idea that it is gear and it's, it's just a different, it's a different paradigm and you guys are killing it. You're, you're knocking it out of the park and I love it. I love it. And I'm excited to see what else, like I said, I've got this, 
I got these products sitting here behind me. And I'm yeah. going to see to put that, man, those, tell me, if you can, tell me a little bit about the impetus behind that, that bib. Because that thing looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, like a, a lot of, of products and inspiration for products, uh, we don't really look to the hunting space, um, it, you know, exclusively. We look at, at similar applications uh, that, that require extreme gear. And for this particular product, you know, it's the question has been and continues to be, how do you manage to stay warm in a breathable waiter? And, you know, there are other applications that are more severe, believe it or not, than waterfowl hunting, where breathable Gore-Tex laminates are able to provide a system to keep the wearer comfortable. Um, survival oh. suits. So, oh. you know, survival suits are, you know, for extreme conditions and a layering option for those uh, utilizes a compression resistant fleece. Uh -huh. And so, so the first, the first, I guess reference product came from a military type application where we're looking at, at that system building in, in an extreme environment, not, not very different from our gradient pants that, that has been a part of our system, but for, for more extreme colder um, situations or for people that generally run cold anyway. Right. Right. You know, that, and, that's one of the things that I see on the forums and the Facebook groups and yeah. where guys are talking about it. And a guy like me who runs hot, right. even in cold weather, yeah. I mean, that day we were out on the river and you're like, yeah, it was like a balmy 10 degrees. I think I had on like a core heavyweight and a Fahrenheit vest. That was it. Yeah. You know? And that's pretty much what I hunt in all the time. And yet other guys that I hunt with here in the office or friends that I have that hunt in the South or in other places, they're sure. like, how in the world do you stay yeah. warm? And I'm like, that's just me. Right. Other guys, other guys are, are want something different or even other conditions. You know, it's dry here hunting in the West. It's dry. Yeah, it is. 10 degrees here is a whole lot different than 10 degrees in uh, Kansas or Nebraska. No, no question. No question. There's different kinds of cold. Oh man. Oh man. I, I think so, that's yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so I think I think the inspiration even for our gradient pant was around compression resistance and loft. And so what happens in a waiter application or survival suit, if you will, or submersion in general, is you get the compression force of the water and a, a cold transfer situation that that happens with a, a, a laminate or a breathable style platform. And you, if you were to use a lofted insulation, such as down or a Prima loft synthetic insulation under compression, you lose insulation value. Sure. So, so in this, in this kind of application, a uh, super dense and compression resistant fleece, gives you stretch for mobility, uh, breathability. And so it helps to move your moisture and your, your, um, heat, if you will, it helps to manage your, your microclimate inside of your waders to move that moisture out through the breathable laminate to keep you comfortable when you're, when you're hiking and doing the things you do need without building up that moisture. So that when you, when you come to rest in a static scenario, waiting for, uh, the birds to show up and you're kind of sitting around that you don't freeze with that moisture that you've accumulated in your system. Right. Right. And so it may, it maintains that, that insulation loft, you know, with that, cause you can see how dense and how, Oh man. Uh, it's, and it's mapped also so that you don't have that extreme bulk in the lower leg going into the boot. Right. Or, or even from the waist up, it's the it's 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 half the thickness with a standard gradient upper. Right, 
Right. And the bib form factor gives you great coverage under a waiter. So you're matching up that scenario. Yeah, you don't have a gap, you know, where your shirt maybe comes untucked or in your pants or, you know, so you got a cold spot there. I could see this thing being used, and and I'm I'm seeing guys online too on like I said on forums and Facebook groups, they're talking about that that particular piece. There's a lot of excitement around it, and they're talking about it, you know, in layout blinds and in A-frames and in, <laughs> in, in the late season under like the Hudson bib. Sure, they're sure. they're dying yeah. to get their hands on that because it's it's going to work across a broad spectrum, not just under waders. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's just it's it's going to be a great product for those that are are trying to manage warmth, right? In their layering scenario or system that that will, I think, it's definitely going to resonate with a lot of people. And it wow. has even even this past year, um, multiple hunts where I've been out field testing and had some folks in those and it's so funny because it's, it's a really a different sort of form factor and look, it's so funny, but people don't want to take them off. They're yeah. all around camp. They're wearing, they're wearing these all around camp for days on end. And like, are you sleeping in it too? Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh my God. That's I, just, got, I, I think yeah. about the day that we were, we were reminiscing about in the, on the field hunt when it was so brutal cold, and you yeah. had a you had a gear issue that day, but it didn't have anything to do with Sitka. It had a it was a family oriented issue, if I remember correctly. And you could have used a set of those bibs that day. <laughs> had to do with no belt. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, and so that that's a that's a common scenario for me, especially. Um, as I'm doing different hunts and switching around gear and that particular situation where I was uh, grabbing some different gear so that I was able to be camera friendly instead of testing um, some pre-production stuff. But yeah, it's always, it's it's nice to be able to improvise. Your belt that day or something like that, or. Oh no, I had, (laughs) I had a set of bids that the suspenders were clipped off. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't realize until I got there. All in the name of better mechanical and enhanced and uh, amusement. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. That is good. But well, what else? What else do you excited about for 2020? And then I'd like to kind of talk, you know, going ahead a little bit more about what you're excited about, what you guys got that you just released. And then I know you can't talk about what's in the wings, um, but what's what's Jim Sobeer's fall going to look like? Whew, man, I I hope I get to come out to Wyoming again and hunt with you guys. I hope I'd so like too. to come a little sooner so we can take advantage of that river blind for some ducks because man, they seem to be plenty around. Well, and we've got uh, so we'll do that. Spots. I'd like to get you down here and get you on some mallards. That'd be fun. Yeah. The my Canada trip is officially canceled, oh, so man. I won't I won't be doing Saskatchewan this year. Probably the first fall I've missed in a long time. Um, yeah, I have a family elk trip with my two brothers. Um, there you go. Always excited about that. A little backcountry uh, archery hunt with them, so that's an entirely different thing for me um, that we do every year. But most of my fall is spent in the waterfowl blind. So that's nice. Uh, shoot. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see a lot of things in the air. I just saw today on my South Dakota application. I was, uh, applied for there and did not get drawn. So I'm unsuccessful. The dreaded unsuccessful email, a rejected letter. Uh, so I, I won't be doing South Dakota evidently. That stinks. Yeah. So I don't know. We're going to, you know, it's kind of fluid right now. It really is. Well, and, the nice and thing with is, travel the way it is, we're not that yeah. far apart. So we yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be doing a lot of, <laughs> and I love hunting Montana. So, yes. Yes. You know, Montana has has a lot of great waterfowl opportunities. So when I'm home, 
um, I certainly am excited to hunt with my pals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Montana's Montana's great. We're, we're, you know, we're so close here where we are in Powell, Wyoming, that we double dip a lot. Uh, And it it just so happens that um, a lot of times those birds on the Yellowstone and some of the tributaries of the Yellowstone, they won't, they, the weather will be bad enough to push them to there, but not bad enough to push them all the way down into Wyoming. And so uh-huh. there won't be, we won't have hardly any birds here around Powell, but if we drive 50 or 60 miles to the north, right, there's birds. And um, yeah, then you got to play the, you got to play the permission game and you got to do other things, but it's not easy, but it's definitely, it's an option. It's, a, it's an option and it's something that we like to try to take advantage of as well. So sure. we'll have to get you in on some of those, but yeah. What other, what other gear do you got for 2020? I mean, there's a handful of yeah. new pack, the waiter bag. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned the waiter bag. Um, you now that you have it in front of you, it's a lot easier to explain. And I think this is one of those products that people are going to see and they're going to be like, Wow you know, where, where did this come from and where has it been my entire life? And right. to, to, to manage waiters, no zippers, but an origami style uh, closing mechanism to contain the funk of your waiters, you know, in transit. Yes. And, and so, you know, when, when you think about the why behind that product and the, the, the solution that we were trying to solve is, you know, we have these, these wonderful waders, um, getting them to and from the field without just throwing them in the back of your truck or boat or whatever, and then providing a platform to, to stand on, to put them on, take them on, or put them on, take them off, uh, with a, you know, built in boot jack that we went through multiple iterations, three, four different 3d print before we came up with the mold and the exact, you know, design and just have this, this, I guess, really, a, a tr- you know, transport device to take these waiters to wherever you're going in the world, even right. if it's just down the street, you know, it's, and that was, that was, that was the thought process. You know, we, and and in the name of of the same kind of platform around the waiters, you know, anything that we can do to make it simple and long lasting, so you know, not having zippers as closures, using all anodized aluminum hardware because you're going to be standing on this thing, right? And then closing it in a manner that that you know really houses and contains and is a, a great shape, actually fits perfectly. Once you put your waders in there, this thing fits perfectly in the Nomad, and I can travel anywhere with all my gear, including my waders and shotgun, in that Nomad. Wow. One bag, anywhere. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I mean, and anybody that anybody that yeah, because you're looking for an economy of space, whether you're packed into an SUV or a pickup or getting on a plane. I mean, obviously, you're not going to put your shotgun in in the Nomad if you're going on a plane. Yes, you can. You can. Absolutely, I do. You do. Every time. In the the, the blockable hard-sided case in the Nomad, perfectly legal. Just like if you were going to put a handgun in your bag, it has to be in a a locked hard case. But that doesn't prevent you from putting it in the Nomad. Wow. See, you just streamlined my system right there. That's awesome. I, I, I certainly fly plenty and take a shotgun with me. That's cool, Jim. Yeah, it is. Well, and just keep, like you said, it's, it's all right there. And I have a feeling that that bag is going to be a piece of equipment that once guys use it, getting it in people's hands, and once they use it, they're going to be like, how in the world did I, where has this been my, my whole life? You know, I know... Yeah. I, I have, from the, the fly fishing world, I have a wait, waiter, waiter bags and storage systems for those style waiters. And having, they're, they're completely different. And they're, they're okay. Yeah. They're okay. But yeah. having, having the ability to stand on something that's, that's dry um, and clean 
to get dressed to take those waders on and off with and then fold it all up around it and put it away so it's not getting dirt mud water blood feathers whatever on it, and all my other stuff and it's contained and like you said it packs into a nomad i think guys are going to once they use it i think they're going to be 100 percent sold on that yeah i think it's a yeah really and the only the only thing that people need to be aware of and that I'm, I'm trying to get out there and, and educating and, and, and really understanding the product use because everything has its, its needs are any waiter. I don't care what kind of waiter you have. It does any waiter has got to be stored and dried properly so that you do not have a mold fun, you know, right fungus issue growing in because you you create this ideal situation for things to grow and you've got to get them dry and and clean before you store them the the bag isn't intended for storage it's really around transport right right yeah and i, so I guess I'm, i shouldn't yep. say storage because that's no it's a great i'm glad you said it i'm glad you because you know that's something that you have to people have to understand and and you know, this is a this is a device, and then when when the waders aren't on it, it folds almost completely flat. Right. So I, you know, I have them. You know, I've got multiple ones in my garage. When and my waders are all hanging, I have a couple pairs. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I think that that's a great a great lead into that around around storage and maintenance and you know keeping your waders clean reasonably clean is you know i i try and spray them off whenever i can um and then and then dry them and then i'll hang them um actually i either hang them from the the loop in the back with the boots resting on the floor because mm -hmm. I, I get that question a lot how do you store your waders sure or upside down hanging you know by the boots in a you know uh, a boot rack but basically because you don't want to put a lot of stress continual stress on that seam on that boot that boot connection um it, it's it's yeah there's no need to do that but it's also right. just about keep you know you don't have any wrinkles you don't have any folds right. this way it's just the most relaxed way to have them um and they're and they're going to stay dry they don't have any issues with uh, moisture being trapped sure do you turn your waders inside out after a long day and let them dry first inside out and then then dry them on the outside I, I, what i end up doing and um it is is i roll them down like turnout gear like firemen would do a turnout gear kind of yep. deal so yep. so i and then i fold them back on themselves so that Basically, you get that chimney effect of the boot up through like the 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 uh, knee pads. Right, right. And yeah, then they, gonna, they just stand on their own on. Yeah, they just stand on their own on the floor there. So then in right. the morning, I'm I'm able to just jump in them and go, and they're dry and ready to go. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much the same thing I do, but. Just curious how the pro does it, you know, got to ask. Oh, God. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's not, it's, yeah, we, we all learn these things from somebody. This is, this is actually one thing I'll give credit to Jeff Watt. He's always done that. And I saw him doing it one of early on. And yeah, it just, it, it just kind of was something I picked up. Makes a lot yeah. of sense. and works great. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, what else, man? I, what, so, there, there's more stuff coming down the pipe. One of the things yep. that I saw that I can't wait to get my hands on, I don't have them yet, but I'm kind of excited, is the whites. Yeah. So we will, the, the whites are, are uh, you've probably seen some imagery of them. Uh, they've shown up in, in a number of places. For fall, we've got um, the gradient hoodie, and it's actually available now, I say right. for fall. It's available now. The white gradient hoodie, great piece. I, I love the the gradient hoodie anyway. Having it in white for folks that want to hunt with whites is a great option. And then we'll have the Dakota beanie also in white and a white trucker uh, with more products to come following right after this. 
That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I I like wearing a white hoodie of some sort what during the late season hunting ducks on the river, hunting ducks in corn, you know, dry dry field whatever. When there's snow around and snow on the ground, I think having that white interspersed with your regular camo helps even further break up your break up your silhouette and your outline. I just I'm a, I'm a big believer in that white when there's snow on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and you're, I mean, so it's snow on the ground. But the other the other piece that that we don't have so much over here is is uh, snow geese and rock right. geese or light you know light geese. Right, and I know and, that, and, and lots of people are targeting yes um, ducks and dark geese, or or primarily ducks or or snow geese, where they're they're utilizing a snow goose spread. Right. Yep. Yeah. And being able to hide and be white when everything around you is white is absolutely essential. So, yeah. oh, that is that is cool. I am stoked to get a hands on everything and. Is there anything you can tip your hat at coming down the pipe? So we have a couple other things. I think you, I don't know if you mentioned the Bayou blind bag. It, it yep. is a, um, a product that I've been working on for a number of years and has um, really, really a different um, pack blind bag, um, I guess, design than anything else we have done lots of of welding and and basically to try and make an impervious um construction to give the best weather protection for your gear and then it's got divider and um storage that is is really preserved if you will so camera bodies things like that you know and that's one of the things people have have really kind of got excited about is oh i could put my camera in there and you know give it the protection that i want right and it has a it has you know we i hesitate to call anything waterproof um because <laughs> it, it, and in this circumstance the only thing that's not um waterproof is we we utilize a water resistant zipper so it's coated uh but i use two zipper heads so i could place the opening where i want ah nice nice and and that just it just gives you easier access and for all practical purposes any way you sit it in a blind on either upside down or right side up you know it is completely water impervious on those and even even the way the zipper is attached to the bag so it's you know provides the most water protection or weather protection um of any of our bags and is you know great for those folks that are in the boat or in those flooded fields and everywhere else like that right yeah you don't you don't realize how not waterproof your blind bag is until you start hunting out of a boat you know and you're slogging around water or you're in and out of a boat to get to your spot and it's sitting in the water all the time yes it's like whoa i didn't realize it was not that waterproof it's it's crazy well it's crazy just, yeah. little things well yeah it's it's quite challenging uh, and and you'll see when when you get a chance to look at that product, all of the all of the materials are welded to and and built out like a shell. And the you know the forms and construction, it, it's quite a complex product um, to create. Well, I'm I'm stoked to get my hands on one. That's yeah. Like I said it's been so we got that coming. coming in, so I'm 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 really excited and I'm. Man, I'm excited for the fall. It, you know, especially temps are like 90 degrees, and it's like I just want to be someplace where it's cold, hunting ducks right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think either of us have any room to complain about the heat where we are. <laughs> no, no. There's people that are having Holy a lot cow. worse. It was 39, I think, on Monday morning here. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, we're we're a little more desert than you are up there in Bozeman, but it gets yeah, it cools yep. off every night here. It's in the 50s. Yeah, that's you know, nice. it cools right off. And if and if I really get desperate for it, ah, it's just go up in the mountains. And it's in the 30s every night up there. So we're good. yeah. But yeah, those poor those poor guys that live in Texas and and in like 
Louisiana and oh man, they just there's they don't get any break from it. No, no, and the humidity. Yeah. Oh, oh I don't know. I, hats off. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But yeah. So the Bayou Blind Bags, pretty excited about that. The and then a, just a couple other uh, key ads. The Gradient Pants is uh-huh. updated for fall 20 so another great product that we made some improvements on to make it layer better um, um, reduce some bulk in the lower leg uh, you know just basically worked on on uh, creating less bulk and, and easier layering in our in our waiter sure and then sure. we have a Dakota jacket so you know the Dakota hoodie has been wildly successful. I love mine. I'm well. The Dakota jacket is, um, you know, it shares all the heritage of the Dakota hoodie with a full zip for guys that, including myself, that don't want to have to pull it on and and uh, over my head. I can layer more easily um, and remove the hood. So oh. we have so many hooded options, right? That you have these stacking hoods kind of scenario and and some people like to wear hats and beanies and just to do away with the hood uh in the system so dakota jacket will be um you know very similar in terms of of use uh and more as the dakota hoodie but with those couple of tweaks for for a different user group that would prefer um the lack of and uh Right. right. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. I know um hunting with my dad, anything that he's got to pull on over, you know, he's almost he's almost 70 and anything he's got to pull on like that over his head is kind of a chore. Yeah. So. Yeah. So so that 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 one's going to be very exciting. Tremendous value proposition. It's a, you know, it's got our Gore-Tex Infinium with the wind stopper uh just like the Dakota hoodie and that wind stopper is so great it it just gives you that barrier and and maintains your warmth but so i've got a you know, very breathable story i've got a dakota hoodie story from last fall um that that thing literally kept me in the field when quite honestly i probably should have just packed up and gone home but i didn't and i had the 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 stubbornness to stay out there and the gear to help me do it and ended up filling out um a five-man limit out of the deal on on late season geese i actually went for a swim um in the same river same blind i took you to it was afterwards i was down there and i went down around that big sweeping bend we had knocked a couple birds down and one of them sailed and i ran down there and the dog was the dog was um i didn't have my dog that day we only had one dog and that dog was busy getting another bird and i thought I can just wait out and get that bird. It was dead, dead bird floating down the river. And I got down the bank, scrambled down there and I went to step in and I stepped there. The river bottom is, was cut away right there. And I couldn't see, couldn't tell. And I was pretty, pretty deep anyway. I mean, it was up to my belly button. And in one step, I was over my head. I was, I was, Uh, I was floating. I had a shotgun in my right had a shotgun on my right hand and I stepped and grabbed the bird with my left and I was floating. I mean, I'm swimming, going down the river. It's like 10 degrees outside. The water's 33. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I was able to side stroke, got the goose, you know, gun in one hand, goose in the other. And I side stroked over to where I get my feet back under me, got up. And of course those waders, nice and form fitting, I didn't get a ton of water inside the waders, even though I was completely submerged. I mean, all that's sticking out is my head and my arms. And, but the belt kept the belt kept me from getting a ton of water in there. The way they're cut kept me pretty pretty safe. And I was able to get back, and I went, "Yeah, I suppose I better better put a jacket on here." And I all I had with me that day was the Dakota hoodie, and I pulled it on. And I stayed out there another like two and a half hours and we, filled, we ended up filling out a limit and I was comfortable. I mean, I was wet and I was clammy, but that hoodie 
was able to help me manage my core temperature to the point where I just kept hunting. That's it was fantastic. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my choice not to, not to bag it, to just stay out and, and go. But sure, in, sure. In a situation where you don't have a choice and you have, yeah. like, you have that, that layering option, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool where yeah. you, you may get in a boating accident or you may go in, take a drink, and then you've got to tough it out until you can get help. And you have that extra layer to put on that that's that's impressive for a piece of gear to be able to do that yeah i yeah that's a tough one hey yeah and and you know it's just a challenging environment we're in you know in and around the water waterfowl hunters are constantly uh you know trying to stay dry yeah absolutely absolutely some of us not so successful that's me included right here guilty oh I've, yeah we've all we've all had our opportunity to yeah get so wet tell you, between waterfowling and winter steelhead fishing good yep i've been wet and cold a few times but that eh, is what it is but yeah oh cool well i am stoked for the new products to get them all like i said i've got a couple got my hands on a couple i'm really excited to see the rest of them and put them through the paces and and absolutely Jim, it's been awesome visiting with you. I appreciate your time. Um, and the the only the last question I have is if yeah. Jim Sobeer, if Jim Sobeer could only hunt one bird for the rest of his life, what would he do? What would it be, and how would he do it? Gosh, why do you got to do that? Ah. <laughs> uh. Man, I, I, I mean, my roots are Canada geese on the, on in the Atlantic flyway on Eastern shore, Maryland. Sure. That, that, that's my roots. So I would say it would have to be Canada geese with my two brothers nice. who have both been my older brother. He, he, he introduced, we had a lot of family. My older brother was a, a waterfowl hunting guide on Eastern shore in college. And, and so yeah, and and my younger brother competed at at the worlds on several occasions. You know, fantastic goose caller. Sure. And and so we, you know, I would say the two of them, uh, Canada geese. You couldn't you couldn't get much anything much more steeped in waterfowling tradition. That's for sure. Eastern Shore mm-hmm. Canada geese is that's a big deal. I remember talking to you about uh, um, the waterfowlers festival at Easton, Maryland, and and the waterfowling hall of fame out there waterfowlers museum in easton and there's a i grew up reading about that stuff and and so to hear you say that is just kind of that's cool man that makes me smile so yeah hopefully that fly whale gets some much needed help i know i know it's sad it's sad to watch what they're dealing with out there and it's been tough hopefully they could get a rebound here because they need it yes I need it. Cool. Well, Jim, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. And I am excited to get back in the field with you this fall. And in the meantime, until then, keep killing it up there in Bozeman. Appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again. All right. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. All right. You still on? Yes, sir. Cool.